All right, if you would go ahead and fill out the Connect card that you were handed when you came in the door, just put that in the offering basket after the message. Uh, and a word again, there are some Bibles under your chairs. Uh, if you don't have one, if you're visiting with us, please take that home. That's our gift to you. We think everyone should have a copy of the Word of God. Well, we are beginning a brand new series today. Uh, what happened to those? And I have to say, I can't think of a more appropriate time to preach a series uh, on virtues uh, from the Bible uh, other than uh, election time. There's no more pertinent time to do this. Uh, we're going to be looking at the qualities, the virtues of purity, loyalty, integrity, gratitude. And this morning, we're going to look at the virtue of honor. Uh, we live in a world where people seem to think that they can say anything they want to say and do anything they want to do. Uh, the golden rule has tarnished significantly and relationships seem to be almost treated as disposable. Honor is long out of style. And the person who deserves our honor the most, uh, deserves the most respect, God, seems to be subject to doubt and skepticism and ridicule. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to bring honor back. And I believe when we bring honor back, we will also open up the power of God in new ways. Uh, but there are some significant hurdles that we must overcome because our culture does not have clear-cut ways to show other people honor anymore, at least uh, in today's day and age. Years ago, you would say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. If you said yes ma'am to a lady today, they would probably scold you for making them feel old. Uh, guys used to kind of grab their hat and tip their hat in respect to somebody that they knew, uh, and we don't wear hats like that anymore. Uh, most people cannot name the groups of people in the Bible that God specifically commands us to show honor to let alone do we know how to express that. So we're going to study Mark chapter 6, 1 through 6 this morning and ask this question. How do we honor God and those the word of God tells us to honor in a culture that lacks clear-cut practices for doing so? And I want to kind of give you the context for Mark chapter 6. Uh, Jesus has been traveling around uh, the countryside. He's been healing. He's been teaching. He's been uh, calling his disciples. And he has been talking about the kingdom of God and what that looks like. And huge crowds of people have been following Jesus around. They have seen his miracles and they have heard him teach and preach. Uh, he's calmed storms on the sea. He's cast out evil spirit. He even raised a little girl from the dead. He even raised Peter's mother-in-law either from being sick and healed her and she got up and started waiting on him, which I think may have cemented Peter's decision to leave his family and follow Jesus. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm sure Peter had a great relationship with his mother-in-law. Um, that's kind of a bad joke. Um, anyway, uh, Peter decided to follow Jesus, but it wasn't because his mother-in-law was well again. Um, as Jesus travels, he comes to his hometown of Nazareth. Now, this is the second time Jesus made this loop and came to his hometown. The first time 
he was home, he healed a man that had a crippled hand on the Sabbath. And people immediately started looking for a way to kill Jesus because they thought what he did dishonored God. They were wrong, but they tried to look for a way to trap him and kill him. Jesus is home a second time, and he's back in the synagogue teaching in Mark chapter 6. I'll pick up with verse 1. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Let's, let me stop right there. Jesus' hometown, the people in it were amazed at his power and his ability to do miracles and his teachings. They undoubtedly heard his teaching. They undoubtedly heard what he had done in other places. And they were absolutely amazed and in awe of what Jesus was doing. But they didn't honor him as the Savior. I want to pick up with verse 3. Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. In other words, Jesus isn't God's holy one. This is just Jesus, the carpenter. Like, didn't he build your kitchen table? It isn't this Mary's son. Look, we, we can see his brothers and sisters. Nobody's saying it, but I'm sure somebody is thinking it. Isn't this the kid that was born out of wedlock? They scoffed and refused to believe in him. Picking up with verse 4. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. They treated the Holy One of God as Ordinary, because they thought they knew exactly who Jesus was. He's just a carpenter. We, we grew up with this kid. We can see his mother, his brothers, his sister. Earlier in Mark's gospel, Jesus' own family tried to come and take him home because they thought he was nuts. You're just Jesus. You can't run around claiming, acting like God's Messiah. The real puzzling part of Mark chapter 6 is this. Because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and to heal them. Wait a minute. This is Jesus. Is Mark really telling us that Jesus couldn't do something? He's God. He can do anything he wants, right? Isn't he all-powerful? 
Maybe what Mark meant to tell us was that because of the people's unbelief, they didn't bring a whole lot of sick people. Therefore, because they weren't there, Jesus couldn't heal them. But that's not what Mark said, is it? Mark said, because of their lack of honoring Jesus and their lack of faith, Jesus couldn't do many miracles among them. You see, something got in the way of the power of God. The question is, does this principle apply to other areas of life as well? If we treat the blessings of God as ordinary, will we fail to see the power of God in our midst? For example, if we fail to see the resources that God has blessed us with as a gift from him, primarily from him, and don't handle our finances in a godly way, will we fail to see the power of God in them? If we fail to see our spouse as a blessing from God, if we fail to honor them like we said we would on the day that we got married, will our marriage lack the power of God? Think back to when you were dating. If you're dating right now, this is really easy. Um, what do guys who are dating do? We honor the lady that we are dating. We open doors, we bring presents, we give flowers, and we stop doing all kinds of other things just to spend time together with the woman we love. And those relationships are so full of power. They give life and breath and purpose, especially if you share a love of God together. But you see, the longer you are together, whether you're married or not, the more likely you are to take one another for granted. Because you begin to view what you once viewed as holy and special, as common and ordinary. And it is easier to dishonor something that you think is common. It's kind of strange because much of what we view as sacred or special to us versus common is just a matter of perspective. For, for example, my father views wood as simply BTUs. Uh, to him, he heats his house with wood, and it's a unit of heat only. He burns it in his wood stove, and it gives him heat. I, on the other hand, see a piece of wood, and I envision what it could be. It's special to me. Sure, firewood is firewood, but if you run into something that's curly or figured or, in my mind, special. Don't split that and throw it in your wood stove, Dad. I'll take it home. I'll dry it. I'll make boards out of it. I'll make something special out of it. The, the lid on this box, and you probably can't see that, but this is straight grain cherry. The lid on this piece, this box, is highly figured. It came off someone's firewood pile, and I made this box just for the piece of wood that I found on someone's firewood pile because it was special. It was unique. And I'll leave that uh, up here on the table so you can look at it after the service in case you can't see it from, from there. But let's go back to thinking about people instead of wood. What does it mean to honor someone? 
to make them feel special. Honoring someone lifts them up instead of tears them down. To honor someone is to believe the best, to see the potential in someone instead of just casting them aside. And when you honor someone, you recognize the power of God in them. If you're always talking trash about your husband or your wife, any relationship really, it will lack the power that God intended. If you honor them and speak highly of them, treat them as unique, special, holy, it builds that person up. And too many people in this day and age say, well, when they start acting honorably, when they stop acting like a jerk, I will show them honor. That is not the way this works. Write this down if you're taking notes. Trust is earned. Honor is given. You can treat a person with honor because of who they are and because of the position they hold. You can treat them honorably even if you don't trust them or even if you don't necessarily like that person. One of the reasons that we are in the mess we are in as a nation is because we have stopped honoring people, specifically those who are in authority. And I believe if we honor people as God has called us to honor them, we will see his power. And if we learn to show honor again, I believe that some would even describe the resulting transformation in our culture as miraculous. So the question is, who are we told to honor in the Bible? And there's, there's many. I just want to look at three this morning. Uh, these are three that I think uh, at this point in our history, in our culture, are probably the most critical. So number one, again, if you're taking notes, God has commanded us in his word to honor our parents. Exodus 20:12. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. In other places in scripture, it says that that is the first commandment with a promise attached to it. If you honor, you will live a long life. This command is from God, and I believe that we need to teach it. Not just when you're mad at your kids, but we need to teach it all the time. Young people should not be saying to their parents, I hate you. I'm not listening to you or mouthing off. I'm not saying my kids have never done any of those things. I'm just saying it shouldn't happen. Doing so breaks the heart of God, and it breaks the heart of parents. I understand teens go through things, and they need to carve out their own identity. But you can do so respectfully and showing honor. Even adults struggle to show honor to parents sometimes that in their past did not act honorably. Remember, trust is earned. Honor is just given. The second group of people we're taught to honor, if you're taking notes, is we are commanded to show honor to those in authority. Romans 13, 7 says this. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. God has called us, commanded us to give honor and respect to those in authority. If you play sports, you show honor to your coach. 
If you're taking a class, you show honor to your teacher who invests their lives, life in you. If you work a job, you, you show honor to your boss. You, may, you might think, you know what? I'm smarter than my boss. Josh says that to me all the time. And I'm like, Pastor Josh, I'm telling you, you you're just commanded to, to show honor. I'm sorry. But honoring also doesn't mean that you have to show obedience. If what the government or someone in authority over you demands is something that is not godly, we are, an, we are under an obligation to obey God and honor him first because our identity is primarily Christian. Everything else is second. But if we don't obey, we do so respectfully and we treat people with honor. Everyone. The third group of people, if you're taking notes, and I hope you'll take this seriously, is we are called by God to show honor to our pastors and our church leaders. We show honor to those who are spiritually instructing us. 1 Timothy 5.17 says this, Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. Uh, in case you are wondering, that, that's me. <laughs> that's Pastor Josh. That's the church staff. Uh, that applies to Sunday school teachers. It's a biblical mandate to honor those who are in spiritual authority over you. I hear a lot of other pastors talking about how their congregations don't honor them. Many of them serve smaller churches. Uh, they're trying to lead congregations that are small, and they're trying to institute change and people often don't like change. And they look at their pastor as somebody who is almost like from Satan himself. I can promise you this. Those churches that do not honor the leader God has put over them will not see the power of God in their midst. I don't care if that preacher is the best preacher. I don't care if they start a praise team. I don't care if they start the most relevant children's ministry in the world, it will lack the power of God if that congregation does not honor the spiritual leader over them. They will lack God's blessing and his power. One of the biggest blessings that I have had about being at New Stanton Church is the fact that you do show honor. Uh, I'm not saying that I don't get the occasional hate email uh, or that everybody agrees with every decision that I have ever made, but I respect the fact that this church has shown honor and has been willing to take risks for showing people Jesus. We were in a council meeting about a year ago and we were making some significant changes to the way that we make disciples. And one of the council members at the time said this to me and it meant, it meant a lot. Uh, Vicki Laux said, this is, a, this is difficult because it's a big change but we trust you. When you honor someone like that, it builds them up. For, for me, what that did for me is it caused me to take the responsibility for leading this congregation even more seriously because I will be held accountable for that someday before God. So this morning, I, I, I kind of want to give you some homework. And in relation to Romans 12.10, Paul writes this, love each other with genuine affection 
and take delight in honoring each other. The body of Christ is to honor one another. So here's, here's the homework. Find someone that serves you. Find someone that is in spiritual authority over you. Uh, your, your kids, if you have kids that are in the children's ministry, those teachers are serving you. They're in leadership roles over your kids. If you have a youth that's in youth group, those youth leaders are serving you. If you got a cup of coffee or a dessert at the Mission Cafe, those leaders are serving you. The praise team, the tech team, the lights team, but write them a note. Bring, bring them a gift. Find out when their birthday is and wish them a happy birthday. Um, make BJ like a big batch of cookies. He loves cookies. Um, write to your connect group leader and give them an encouraging word. Find a way to honor your spouse. Value them. And watch the power of God be poured out upon them. We live in a culture, like I said, that, that really lacks clear-cut ways to show honor. But maybe... Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that forces us to make it that much more personal and tailored to the individual. Find a way to honor your parents. Find a way to honor your in-laws, your mother-in-law. Find, find a way to honor those in authority over you. Doing so will unlock God's power. Why that works, how that works, I don't know. But it's what the word of God says. Something hindered the power of God. And it was the lack of honoring in Mark 6. It was that unbelief. Trust his word. Let's, let's not be the people that Isaiah speaks about in Isaiah 29, 13. He writes this. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. That's not going to be us. The Holy Spirit is bringing honor back, and it's going to start with us, and it will unlock the power of God in our midst. Let's pray. Jesus, we commit to you today that we will not be part of a generation that lacks showing honor or respect to our leaders, to those in authority, to those spiritual leaders over us. We are going to honor you by showing honor to them. And Jesus, plant this message deep in our hearts. May we always give honor, even when trust isn't there. May we be a people who shows honor. And may your power be poured out. In our midst. May we see your blessing upon Grow and upon youth and upon the Connect groups as they start this year. Uh, may people's lives be changed, God, as we honor them, lift them up, and treat them as special. Bring healing to marriages, bring healing to families. God, I pray that you would speak to us directly about who it is that we can show honor to this week. In Jesus' name. I pray, amen.